Hello, and welcome to Sanity Optional Episode 8. My name is Silent Snooper, and I do hope that things are going well for you today. Let's begin. Now we all know what a tail is, but what is its biological definition? It is an extension of the spine, past the trunk of the animal's body, or anything resembling such. But animal tails have been a thing since before creatures first crawled up onto land. Even us humans have ancient vestiges of tails. After all, it is called a tailbone. Rarely, a baby is born with a soft tail, which contains no vertebrae, just muscles, nerves, and blood vessels. However, this is not a true tail, and is generally considered an abnormality. There have been fewer than 50 cases ever reported of infants with, quote, true tails, which do have vertebrae inside them. This is caused by a biological phenomenon called atavism, in which an ancestral genetic trait resurfaces after having been lost through genetic changes during evolution. But tails are not an abnormality of genetics, but rather a useful tool for those with the knowledge and ability to use them. Myriad species across the globe use tails in a wide variety of ways. Hence, we shall review some of these ways and look at the benefits of having a tail. The most widespread use of tails is for communication. Think of cats and dogs. Dogs wag their tails, and different wags mean different things. Dogs do use other means to communicate as well, vocally, as well as various forms of body language like their stance or moving their ears, among others, but wagging their tails seems to be one of the primary forms of communication, and since most dogs don't see color all that well, the movement of a tail is a great way to communicate. Tails can express multiple states of awareness. When your canine friend is alert, their tail will be raised high and their ears will be up as well. If your dog stops wagging their tail and freezes, that can be an indication that they want to deflect a threat in a non-aggressive manner, like if they don't like the person petting them. If the tail moves from its default position to a vertical one, or if the tail arches over the back, then the dog is aggressive. The tail in these positions allows for more room to release more of the dog's scent from anal glands which warn other dogs or animals that the dog is in an aggressive state, and this also allows the dog to more clearly state their claim to the location, like planting your flag on a landmass and calling it yours. If the tail is lowered, this generally indicates that the dog is in a submissive, non-threatening state, and your dog indicates fear if the tail is tucked tightly between its legs which reduces the sense released by the glands we talked about earlier. This makes the dog less likely to be detected olfactorily, and might allow it to sneak away undetected. If the tail sticks straight out horizontally, the dog is curious, and happiness is a tail raised slightly and wagging. But it's not just wagging, there's different kinds of wagging. It's safe to say that the faster the wag, the more excitement the dog is experiencing, with a caveat. If the tail is vertical while wagging quickly, that may be a sign that the dog is an active threat, so be careful of that. Otherwise, a slight wag may indicate that the dog is tentative about meeting someone new, be it person or animal, and if the dog is quite friendly, a shimmy of the hips will occur while wagging. Interestingly, since the left side of the brain is connected with happiness and love, the tail will wag to the right, and since the right half of the brain is connected to aggression 
fear and depression, the tail will wag to the left. Wolves, coyotes, and foxes use similar signals as well, likely because they're in the same taxonomic family, Canidae. Cats, on the other hand, are assholes. <sighs> no, I probably shouldn't say that. Cats, on the other hand, are somewhat different with their tail languages. If your cat's tail is straight up vertical, it means that your cat is happy, friendly, and confident. If your cat's tail is out behind it but angled upwards, it can mean uncertainty. But if it's in the same position and twitches to and fro, that usually means indifference to the situation. One similarity with canines that a cat has is that if their tail is down or between their legs, that indicates submission or fear. This can also indicate oncoming aggression. Direct aggression is indicated by the tail being held up and looking bristly. This helps make the cat look larger and more dangerous to whatever it's posturing against. I had a friend once who called this look the bushy pipe cleaner look, which I find amusing. If your cat's tail has a crook on the end, like a question mark, then they're undecided about something, or they may be looking for affection. Additionally, and obviously, many species of animals use their tails for communication, including birds, fish, and other mammals, like beavers, who slap the water with their tails to warn others of danger. Another common use of tails is for balance. A great many different species use their tails to assist with balance. So squirrels, for instance, use them when running along a fence highway or along tree branches. They also use the tail for balance when leaping from one location to another. Have you ever seen a video of a cheetah dashing across the savannah? They use their tail to help with balance when turning at high speeds, and they can reach up to 70 miles per hour. That's quite a spectacle. A much lesser known use for tails that I find interesting is food storage. Turtles use their tails to store fat to consume during hibernation in the winter. They store fat elsewhere, of course, but it's interesting that the tail is part of that system. The fat-tailed dwarf lemur does the same thing, and this even increases its total body weight by up to 40%. A fairly obvious use, but one that is perhaps less pondered, is temperature regulation. This one is pretty simple. Some animals, like foxes and squirrels, use their tails like a blanket to keep warm. Others, like rats and, again, squirrels, pump blood into their tails to cool it off as it flows through their circulatory system. This is because tails are usually cooler than the rest of the body. Another relatively common use for tails is a specialty use. It's a specialty use because the animal needs to be specially equipped with the correct kind of tail. And of course, I'm referring to prehensile tails. But did you know that there are two kinds of prehensile tails? There are fully prehensile and partially prehensile tails. Fully prehensile tails can hold or manipulate multiple objects simultaneously. They are especially useful for arboreal animals who use their tails to find and reach food. Partially prehensile tails can only grab one thing at a time, but they are still quite useful in climbing trees and hanging from branches. All animals with prehensile tails are vertebrates, and among mammals, many of their prehensile tails have what's called a friction pad, which aids in gripping things. Curiously, a majority of the animals with prehensile tails live in South America, with only a few being in Africa or Southeast Asia. We don't know for sure why, 
but it's thought that the reason is because the jungles in South America are much more dense than those in Africa or Southeast Asia. Concordantly, there are more animals that glide in the less dense jungles of Southeast Asia than there are in South America, although South America does have a few gliders. Another possible factor in this distribution is that in South America, there are fewer larger animals to eat the woody, viney plants that use trees as a means to grow up and reach the canopy to get more sunlight. These woody, viney plants, often called lianas in the same way we call pines, oaks, and redwoods trees, are thought to be an encouragement for those with prehensile tails and a deterrent for gliders. They may be a deterrent for gliders because these lianas can grow from tree to tree, clogging up the airways between trees and canopies, while making climbing easier with little highways for those with prehensile tails. Interestingly, all Australian gliders have some sort of prehensile tail. Of course, tails can also be used in defense. A rattlesnake shakes its tail to warn other creatures of its presence. Armadillos can use their tail, along with their tough hide, to roll up into an armored ball. Some reptiles allow their tail to be removed during a confrontation so that they can get away more easily if caught. Wood mice do the same thing with their tails. Alternatively, some tails are deadly. Scorpions, for example, can inject paralytic venoms into victims before taking its time consuming them. In prehistoric times, the ankylosaurus used their clubbed tails to crush opponents. Stegosaurus tails had spikes on them to impale foes. On that note, have you noticed that most animals today don't have offensive tails, especially the bony, spiky kind? A study was done by paleontologists who collected data from over 300 extinct and living species of dinosaurs, reptiles, birds, and mammals. They concluded that, evolutionarily, tails aren't the same anymore. Tails used to be made from bones, whereas now most tails are made of a protein called keratin, which is what your fingernails and hair are made from. There is one exception. The giant girdled lizard nicknamed Smaug, lives in sub-Saharan Africa. It does possess a bony, spiky tail. Now, the lizard doesn't get any longer than about 8 inches, so its tail would be proportionate to that size of a creature, but still, it's an outlier. Also, I'm unsure as to why it's called a giant lizard when it's only 8 inches in length. I would assume that giant would imply something like the Gila or Komodo, not something so diminutive comparatively. Tails also play a role in the courting process. Many avian creatures like peafowl, turkeys, hummingbirds, and flycatchers use the beauty of their feathers in order to attract a mate. There is a bird in the East African grasslands called Jackson's widow bird, and the single most decisive factor in whether a male mates or not is the length of his tail feathers. Furthermore, Studies have shown that when lizards lose their tail, they are less likely to mate or be courted. It seems that losing your tail equals a loss in social ranking. Finally, tails play a vital role in propulsion. Fish, sharks, whales, and alligators, among others, use their tails to help them swim in water. Fish and reptiles move their tails side to side, 
whereas aquatic mammals move their tails up and down. Birds use their tails as a braking mechanism and for steering during flight. Lobsters and the like flex their tails in a way that provides propulsion underwater. Interestingly, female lobsters have wider tails than males. This is because the female attaches her eggs to her tail, and so the more tail space equals more eggs. Interestingly, a crayfish walks forwards, but swims backwards. Large muscles in the crayfish abdomen curl the tail fan forwards underneath the body, which propels the fish backwards at great speed. So when a crayfish runs away from a hungry predator, they're facing the hungry predator. That's a little terrifying to think about. Kind of like that scene in Jurassic Park, when the T-Rex is chasing the Jeep during a storm. Speaking of the Tyrannosaurus Rex, a recent study has revealed that the rate of travel is very much slower than previously thought. Some dinosaur tails had a unique feature that doesn't exist in modern species. During the forward locomotion of a two-legged dinosaur like the T-Rex, the tail is naturally suspended in the air while simultaneously moving up and down. The researchers used a 3D reconstruction of the tail of a T-Rex to estimate the rhythm of the tail swing as it walked. Now what exactly do I mean when I say the rhythm of the tail swing? When a tail reaches the point where there is the largest amount of movement, with the least amount of effort required, that's called a resonance, or rhythm. As the tail of a T-Rex moves up and down, it stores and releases energy in the ligaments. The paleontologists figured out that the T-Rex's tail's resonance frequency would help them determine a better approximation for casual walking speed. The average adult T-Rex was probably about 40 feet long and 12 feet tall, and weighed in at about 13,000 pounds. It's a big boy. But moving such a behemoth on those two giant legs, which had to support all the weight, could not have been easy. The way that paleontologists used to figure out how fast a T-Rex moved was by using the creature's mass, the height of their hips, and the length of their stride from fossilized footstep patterns. The previous estimate using this method placed the walking speed between 4.5 and 6.7 miles per hour. The new method used the movement of the T-Rex's tail, which moved vertically. The tail in many dinosaurs produced much of the force required for forward locomotion. Part of the tail is made up of two large muscles, called caudofemoral muscles, which help pull legs back amid each step. The new research shows that the average walking speed of a T-Rex was just under 3 miles an hour, which is about 50% of what the previous estimates were. For context, the average walking speed of a human is about 3 miles per hour. As a note, there is still room for uncertainty in the results of the study due to unknown or unaccounted for factors. The study seems to be more of a general nature than deep specifics. But the next step is to integrate their model and data into a T-Rex who is running. Specialists in biomechanics say that the sheer weight of the body on the legs would limit the running speed as the bones would be more susceptible to breaking. But this new information on the tail could reveal that the tail's flexibility acted as a shock absorber. 
This would transfer much of the kinetic energy from each step to the tail and allow the T-Rex to run faster. Previous estimates have clocked the running speed of a T-Rex to between 10 and 25 miles per hour, which is fast for a creature that size. But might it be too fast? We'll have to wait for the results of their tests. But after seeing the portrayal of the Tyrannosaurus Rex in movies and video games, it's still cool to think that you can casually outpace a non-aggressive T-Rex just by walking a little faster. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sanity Optional. I would like to apologize for the length of this episode. I haven't had a ton of time to write this week, and lately I've been having problems coming up with hopefully interesting topics. If you have any feedback, or have topic ideas, or want to collaborate on an idea, feel free to contact me at sanityoptionalpodcast at gmail.com, or on Reddit at r slash sanityoptional. If you enjoy these episodes and think someone you know would enjoy them, please feel free to tell them about it. Also, please be kind to animals, and maybe watch your pet to see if you can recognize any of the methods of communication expressed earlier. Finally, I know it's a day late, but may the 4th be with you, and stay sane if you want, it's optional.